Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and if you are on the YouTube channel, you can see that I'm joined by a very special guest. Nick has joined me on a lot of episodes talking NFL draft. It's always a pleasure having you on, and just to give fans a preview, we're going to be going through every single Iowa Hawkeye draft prospect. Now we're going to mostly focus on some of the top guys. We'll quickly hit on some of the other guys like the Ivory Kelly Martins, but that will take up a little bit of our time. Not nearly as much as the Tyler Linderbaums, Dane Belton's and Tyler Goodson's. That is our show though for today. Uh, so let's get into it. But first, I want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. Again, you can find us wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Hawkeyes. And Nick, it is a pleasure having you on, man. Um, it's uh Kind of bittersweet. You've been on a lot of shows with, with me. I think probably it's like your seventh or eighth show talking NFL draft. You come on every single year. I love your analysis. I know you love the Iowa Hawkeyes, so it just fits really well. And uh, this is these are my final shows, and I'm doing it with you. So thank you for, for being the final guest of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast with me as the host, man. Yeah, no, it's been a fun journey. I always love tuning in, too. I'll be honest. Uh, the Like we were talking about earlier, I am so – you know, neck deep into the football stuff that I don't always listen to all the other content, even though I know you do good work with the basketball stuff, but thanks for having me on to talk a little bit of draft. I try not to be super biased with covering the Broncos, but when it comes to the Hawkeyes, I have a hard time with that. I kind of dove into that for, uh, I guess just good, proper analysis. So I'll, I'll do my best not to be biased with these guys, but you know, last year, I think through, um, swinging back and I were talking like Alec, Alaric Jackson. It's like, Oh, where can he go? Day two. I'm like, he's going to fall. The arm length isn't there. It's like, it's yeah. as stupid as it sounds. It, it matters. There's too much data to say that it does matter to ignore it. So, uh, it'll be fun to see maybe not as star studded with the Hawkeyes this season, but a few definitely prominent guys to talk about. Yeah. It's going to be a bit more, I think it's a bit more interesting of the draft last year. You had Davian Nixon, um, mm-hmm. who was, Looked at initially as a first rounder, just kept slipping throughout. Uh, Chauncey Golston surprisingly goes in the third round. Uh, Alaric yeah. Jackson, obviously uh, UDFA. Um, just kind of an interesting draft all around for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Not nearly as much star set of talent as we would have hoped. This year, uh, we have a few early entrants. Plus, we have Tyler Linderbaum, which is also an mm-hmm. early entrant, but a guy who um, many Iowa fans are very excited about, but also getting very pissed off about. And let's actually kick it off right there. You talk about the arm length with Larry Jackson. Um I've been talking ad nauseum about Tyler Linderbaum and the fact that I understand why Iowa fans are frustrated to see him go in the back end of the first round. I understand the frustrations because when you look at him on tape, he's just a mauler. He does everything well. His technique is phenomenal. He hustles. He's just a truly fantastic center. But measurables do matter. There is reasons why people looked at the measurables it's not to say this person's going to stink but it makes you go look at the tape again to say is this going to impact this player when they get to the next level so i want to hear your thoughts on the short arms the undersized body right under 300 pounds six foot three what are your thoughts on that can you give a little bit of a, a, a explanation as to why that's so important in the nfl Oh, I mean, at the NFL level centers, luckily they're going to be working with double teams a lot of times, combo box blocks with the guards, but there's going to be time sometimes, especially with how teams like to use uh, simulated pressure where Tyler Linderbaum will be isolated against a nose tackle. And if he's going up against a 
gosh, Vita Vea right now, you know, 330 pounds, and he's engaging with Tyler Linderbaum before he can strike. That's a that's a big issue. There's a reason teams want arm length. It's whoever can strike first a lot of times uh, can win to start those battles. So that's a concern with Linderbaum, and it's something that he it's the arms are short, but they're also like let me see. Let me pull up the the data right here. I have it right here. The arm length is in the first percentile for offensive linemen all time. That's not good. Um, that's not what you want to see. Um, so that's a concern still. Tape is number one. Um, the other stuff does matter, and you're looking for reasons in the draft why not to take guys, why not to value them versus what makes them good. Uh, it's more of the coaches like, okay, tell me what he can do, the evaluators, the personnel. Okay, here's what he can't do. Here's what he doesn't fit. So it is a concern with Linderbaum. The tape, though, is still so great. He's tenacious. He sticks on his blocks really well. Uh, he mirrors guys well. His technique is great. Uh, the leverage isn't an issue with him, and you can see that with the wrestling back, back background. He looks to stick on guys as well. You know, If they have counter blocks or anything, he will fight back with them. And what makes him really valuable is his movement skills at the position, his ability to hit landmarks at the second level. He's going to be great for an outside zone scheme, but that's something that... Maybe it's another reason he's falling as well. Uh, you know, not every single team is running the wide zone. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay uh, blocking scheme that the Iowa Hawkeyes have done as well. If you're more of a power gap centric scheme, Tyler Linderbaum is going to have to, or your center is going to have more on one drive blocking one-on-one -on -one opportunities. That's not really Tyler Linderbaum's game compared to, compared to some other centers available. Uh, the other thing about Tyler Linderbaum, and if you guys have listened to any of my work or you know any of my work as well, it's the positional value. The center is probably one of the least valuable positions in football. There hasn't been a center drafted in the top 10 since Nick Mangold. I think that was over 10, 15 years That's ago. A long time ago. Yeah. A yeah, long Ohio time. State. Yes. Nick Mangold. Exactly. The long hair. I think his sister was a wrestler or something too. Uh, <laughs> but um, cool family. Um, and the last out his Wikipedia page, man. Holy. I just pulled it up real quick. His front, his front picture is ridiculous. Uh, sorry. That was, and he was picked. He was picked 29th. Nick Mangold was picked. Okay, well, then I'm totally wrong. Uh, I thought that he was, I thought he was earlier. Okay, so I can't even tell you the last time a center was drafted number 10. I think Garrett Bradbury for the Minnesota Vikings went 14 overall, and he's been not a great pick so far. I mean, how many times has Kenny Clark had uh, Garrett Bradbury on Kirk Cousins' lap, you know, as soon as the snap happened? So that's something to be uh, considering as well with Tyler Linderbaum. It's just the positional versatility, the or the scheme versatility, the value of the center position, et cetera, et cetera. But that being said, his floor is astronomically high. And if you are looking for just getting the best offensive lineman possible, specifically for his own wide scheme, definitely, definitely should take him. He should go in the first round. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah NFL network said that some teams actually have, this is and a sorry, Hawkeye fans for this one. I hate this just as much, but some NFL teams have cam Jurgens from Nebraska as high or higher than Tyler Linderbaum. Um, and Cam Jurgens' tape is really good as well. That's, uh, I'm not going to discredit him. He's got to forget these like four misfired snaps against Iowa. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> um, but the length, the movement skills, it's and also probably a little bit more positional versatility can play some guard and some power scheme as well. So that's something to look for. But again, like a team like Cincinnati at pick 31, if he could go there and snap the ball to Joe Burrow, I mean that would be amazing for everybody involved, unless you're cheering for a an opponent of that of the Bengals, a divisional rival. Yeah, and when you look at the Bengals, they've retooled their offensive line, uh, yeah. plugging Tyler Linderbaum in there. I've talked about this a little bit, um, but I feel pretty good because the, the the X's knows the the scheme fits are not really my forte, uh, but I feel good because the stuff I was talking about was 
uh, similar to you with not as much depth. So I feel pretty good about how I was looking at Tyler Linderbaum. When you look at Cincinnati, they have a retooled offensive line. You put Tyler Linderbaum in the middle there. Uh, he's going to be going into a very good situation surrounded by a lot of, you know, a much better offensive line than what we saw uh, over their Super Bowl run. Um, what other schemes do you feel like you talked about the, the Kyle Shanahan. So you're thinking maybe like San Francisco, uh, Miami could look good. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. Um, what are other, what are other systems that kind of run or what are other teams that run similar systems? Hey y'all quick conversation pause with Nick Kendall. I hope you are enjoying it as much as I am, but I know everyone usually participates in March madness and around this time is where everyone's bracket is completely busted. Mine too. Thankfully, throughout this whole March Madness season, I've been hedging my bets this year with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em Contest. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. You can now take the control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. They simply post their set of players, and you take them on with your own set of players. So if your bracket is busted or you just want to get on a little bit more action, sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, y'all, thank you again for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Let's get back to that conversation with Nick Kendall right now. A lot of teams right now are trying to run that wide zone scheme because of the success of mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. So there's a lot of options uh, to look for there. Cincinnati is obviously one of the teams that comes to mind. Uh, Green Bay is running a variation of it with Matt LaFleur. So maybe that's a team that looks to get a center there to help Rodgers down the stretch. Uh, you also have the... Let me see. You have the Philadelphia Eagles with uh, Scangarini is another option there. Uh, the a popular Eagles mock draft pick. They have three yeah. draft picks, so... Yep. And the Minnesota Vikings, as well as another team, the Denver Broncos. Also, they probably won't get a chance at Tyler Linderbaum, but that's another team that's running that outside zone stretch. And teams run a little bit of everything nowadays. It's not as, you know, we're going to run outside zone stretch for the weak side of the field every time. Sorry, Hawkeye fans had to get a little dig there on that one. <laughs> uh, but the there's a lot of variation as well. But bread and butter teams looking at I think that's one that uh, those are the teams that stick out to me in my mind. That makes sense. I definitely, definitely can understand that um, with this draft, because there's a lot of talk about how there's not as much high end talent, right? There's not as much tier one elite level talent. Um, how much does that help potentially Tyler Linderbaum where teams are like, can I just get out of this first round with someone who's going to be an impact player, not necessarily a 15 year perennial pro bowl type player, but just an impact player. How much does that help or hurt Tyler Linderbaum? It definitely helps. Uh, it definitely helps him. There's, especially with the draft process somewhat changing this year, having somebody with such a high floor matters and having somebody who you know can be a plus player on the offensive line. You know, he's a plug and forget kind of guy for your scheme. Mm -hmm. uh, I do worry that if there's a team, maybe a team that has a little bit of instability along the coaching staff, maybe like the uh, Carolina Panthers trade down from six and need to plug the offensive line, that uh, maybe getting somebody who is so scheme specific 
as Tyler Linderbaum means that you you limit yourself as to what type of coaches and schemes you can go with in the future. So there's always that kind of thing as well. That's why you're looking for guys who are more scheme versatile. Um, that's another reason that Linderbaum might fall. But again, if you're talking like late in the draft, you're, you might have to scheme to help him a little bit on some, you know, pass reps and whatnot against the behemoth nose tackle zero tech types. But still, um, what he brings in the run game is a plus. And I know there's a lot of talk about the run game being devalued from a statistical perception. It is so to speak, but it's more nuanced than that. A lot of it comes down to uh, teams today, and you can thank you know Vic Fangio and his disciples for that. They're going to live in nickel and dime no matter what. You want to play 12 personnel? I don't care. I'm not going to put on another linebacker because linebackers aren't super value or valuable or good in today's NFL. Yeah. So uh, in order to make sure you can combat that, running out of 11 personnel and running effectively is going to be super valuable in the league going forward. So if you have a plus blockers on the line where they're taking it to defenses that are only playing six guys in the box, there's going to be value to that. Uh, that's why guys like Derrick Henry of these big bruising running backs are actually getting a little bit more value again compared to some of the smaller scat backs. So uh, there's still be value for the run blocking and what Tyler Winderbaum can bring. Absolutely. It's always interesting to see how the NFL ebbs and flows yeah. and how, uh, you know, you, you counter counteract something, you then counter that counter, you counter that counter, and then you kind of get back to something that was going on 10, 15 years ago. Um, you see obviously the Shanahan uh, principles being all the rage now. Uh, mm -hmm. obviously, obviously as Bronco fans, we saw that when we were, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, that was something we grew up seeing. So pretty cool stuff there. Um, you mentioned the Vic Fangio and, and playing a lot of dime and nickel. Uh, a guy who I want to talk about next is Dane Belton. And I think mm -hmm. his positional versatility that we saw at Iowa uh, could be a plus for him at the next level. Um, he tested really well. I loved uh, I'm so glad that he was able to test in the four fours for the 40 uh, jump. Well, I think that's definitely going to help with his draft stock from let's start with this though. What position does he play in the NFL and could he have that versatility? We've seen a Monty hooker really play that third safety of the Tennessee Titans. Does that mm -hmm. he, does he have that similar kind of role or what do you see from him? I think he can have that similar kind of role and something about again, another draft thing is just because you haven't seen somebody do something doesn't mean they can't. And with Dane Belton, if he's going to be probably a super valuable safety in the next level, he's going to have to work on some two high shells, maybe even some single high, which we didn't see that much from Iowa with Merriweather and, uh, Oh, Jack. names escape. Yes, Jack Kerner. Uh, yep. Jack Kerner. I'm like, no, it's not Jake Gervas. Uh, but you now Jack <laughs> Kerner um, at the other side. The other spot. walk on right after yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, plug in another one. Who's next? Could be you and me. Who knows? Yeah. But um, that's the, I still have my eligibility. But uh, no, that's, he would definitely be, I think, be a great fit there for that same similar role as a uh, hooker. And I honestly think that um, Dalton might have better ball skills and zone instincts right away. I do not think he is as quick burst to get downhill and make tackles as Hooker was coming out of college. But in today's NFL, you're going to be playing more three safety defensive backs and safeties. The more hats you can wear, the better two high safety shells uh, coming down and playing the slot, playing the box. Dalton has done a little bit of everything uh, for that Iowa defense. As far as that versatility didn't seem as much on the back end, but doesn't really matter to me as much. And again, coming away with, what was it? Five interceptions last year. A lot of those interceptions really displayed good patience. Uh, they were tough. Yeah, they were, those were not just, you know, gimme sacks. Those were, <laughs> those were plays that he made. So I really am excited about what he can do at the next level. I'm honestly just, again, kind of being a little bit homerish here with, with the, uh, the Hawkeyes, but if the Broncos haven't taken a defensive back come pick 96 and he's still there, I would be ecstatic about it. I think he'd be a great fit there for them. Again, not a lot of free safety snaps. Uh, Pro football focus had him at 536 reps uh, last season at the slot compared to 290 in the box and only 57 at free safety just because he hasn't done done it doesn't mean he can't 
His athletic profile suggests he can. So uh, that's the biggest thing. And today's quick NFL, you're talking about RPOs, zone reads, uh, quick pass options, et cetera. You need that, I guess, that slot player to be a good player against the run and a good tackler. And Belton can do that as well. So I really like Belton. I think he's being slept on in a pretty, pretty darn talented safety class and a pretty darn talented uh, safety class in the Big Ten. I mean, that's just Daxton Hill, Jaquan Press. Yeah. Uh, Brisker, uh, you got Kirby Joseph, you got uh, Nick Cross, man, the Big Ten, some good safeties this year. Really, really excited about that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna start with. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, no, I I was like thinking about the things I was gonna ask you next. I'm trying to like think about where I where I go with that. I'm gonna start with the Dane Belton and the snap count. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. obviously only 57 snaps at that free safety position. Um, I wanted to call it out for the Iowa fans out there listening. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Iowa values that dime backer position so heavily they value someone who can play that slot corner spot so heavily they value having Dane Belton and being able to move him around but when Iowa was going up against a Wisconsin or a team that did run a lot of 12 personnel they were going to move to a 4-3 and you see Justin Jacobs hit that linebacker spot and you saw Dane Belton moved back to the safety spot. So mm-hmm. you saw him take over Kayvon Merriweather's spot. Um, so it wasn't that Iowa didn't feel comfortable with him there. It was more of the fact that Iowa needed him in that slot corner spot uh, more so than what they needed him at that safety spot. And they had other people who could take over that position. So that was definitely a son one to call out. Um, you mentioned Denver taking him at 96. And obviously uh, there's a lot of people that listen to this who are also Broncos fans. I'm a huge Broncos fan, as you know, and as you are as well. Um, they've mentioned the fact they want to play six defensive backs often, and you need that versatility. Um, Kareem Jackson is not back. We don't know kind of what's going on with some of the cornerback spots as well. Michael Ojemudia has been injured uh, quite a bit over his career. There's a lot of uh, interesting stuff happening in that defensive back room. I'm sure it'll all get figured out. Uh, I thought Dane Belton might be a good fit there because he has that versatility. You mentioned a pick 96, and – to me, that's that seems high than what I was anticipating simply because you look at Amani Hooker, he slid to the fourth round, got drafted by the Titans. He was definitely a big pickup in that fourth round. I felt like he slid a little bit because people weren't even really ready for him to declare. And I wonder if that has a similar problem with Dane Belton. People weren't ready for Dane Belton to declare. Do you feel like it is realistic that Dane Belton could actually go on day two? I do think it's realistic. He tested well and the ball skills matter. I mean, turnovers are so important in today's NFL and you see that from Belton as well. He tested fine enough. Uh, definitely. I think his Ross was above nine, which is really good. That's a relative athletic score for his size. And I think his agilities were also fine. So I, I definitely think it's possible. The thing that might go against him is it is a deeper safety class. And the thing about hooker also is, Hooker walked so Belton could run, you know, that kind of thing. And you saw the safety already work from this exact scheme. It's translated. You're seeing more and more dime backs. It's becoming the NFL and you can blame football in the South for this, but the seven on sevens is really influencing the NFL today. It's finally reached that point where uh, it's mainly about the pass game and the dime backers. And if it's using the run game is more to make other teams have to dictate personnel to respect it versus actually running the football on them. So in the NFL, the college is a little different. You don't have the quality of quarterback play to do that in college for every team. Uh, But in the NFL, you can. So I definitely think it's possible. He could go down there. Uh, This testing is good. I, I do. I do wish he had a little bit more tape on the back end to evaluate because that's going to be hopefully his primary role in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
if you're just a third safety, you're not going to be as valuable. But again, that's there's value. There's also special teams value for everything that he did as well. Safeties are going to be big special teams contributors. So I definitely think it's possible late round three to mid round four. I think that's probably where you should expect Belton to, to be selected, in my opinion. All right, y'all. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline.net has you covered with all of that. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have odds on Chris Rock and Will Smith, whatever your take is on that situation. They've got odds on who would win in a fight there. So head over to their website today or use your mobile device and learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. I love that, man. That's exciting. So let's move on to Tyler Goodson, another guy who had a fantastic combine um, and arguably a completely different situation than Dane Belton, where he has a ton of tape. He's been running the ball for Iowa predominantly since the mid part of his freshman year. And he's had some really good tape. He's also had some pretty concerning things that you see on tape as well. Um, I thought he tested really well though, uh, getting that four, four forty, uh, getting the weight, um, you look at him, you kind of, at least initially, you think of Akram Wadley, you think of that agility and the ability to kind of make things happen in space. Um, Tyler Goodson showed up bigger than Akram Wadley and a significantly better tester than Akram Wadley, who ultimately went undrafted. And I think character is arguably much better with Tyler Goodson. I don't know why I had to throw that in there, but I thought it was important as well. Um, what are your thoughts, though, on Tyler Goodson with this combine performance and what are your thoughts on the amount of tape? What are NFL evaluators going to be looking at? Is it is it his sophomore year or is it his junior year where, where no one could block anyone except for Tyler Linderbaum? Yeah, they're going to have to look at both of it, but this is kind of circling back on our conversation earlier where teams are looking to punish opponents if they're, if they're playing dime defenses and if they're playing six guys in the box. And that means your smaller running backs are going to get devalued, even if they are home run hitters. And Tyler... Uh, Tyler Goodson came in 197 pounds, 5'9". I mean, I think a lot of teams are looking for the guys who are 220-ish right now yeah. to punish those light boxes and get you out of those two high shells. Like They want you to play cover one and cover three because you can get more explosive plays down the field um, versus those defenses compared to a match quarters or a cover two look or a cover four look. So that's something that I do think will devalue Goodson a little bit. I also think that in today's NFL, I have some non- non-negotiables or non-starters for like picks in the first four rounds of the top, like 150. And one of them is pass blocking and Tyler Goodson, because of his size is that's always going to be something that's a little bit questionable for him. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, and this is, you know, just relations for us, Philip Lindsay, you know, really good, but if yeah. he's on the field, you know that it's going to be a run because they're not going to trust him to be back there in pass protection versus a free rusher, whether it be an edge or a linebacker or anything like that. And didn't see enough from Tyler Goodson nuanced wise in the past game. You can blame the offensive tackles for that. You can blame the quarterback, the coordinator. I don't care, but we just haven't seen it. So it's an unknown for Tyler Goodson in that regard. So I think he'll probably, he will get drafted still. I think it'll probably be in that round five to seven range. Uh, I could see a team that a team that is still really good at running 12 or 21 personnel 
that can utilize the speed back rather than take advantage of the box um, is a team like the 49ers. I could see them being a fit for him. They really tend to value the speed and the home run hitters more than a lot of teams are pivoting to right now in the NFL and maybe Miami as well. You know, they're trying to get that zone blocking scheme going in there uh, with Mike McDaniel coming over from the 49ers and they don't have that home run hitter, but I think I don't see Goodson going super high because of the size, because of the pass protection question marks that he has, which again, for me, non-starter uh if you if you can't pass protect you're not going to see the field as a running back as you know people are like oh he's a running back why does that matter <laughs> it matters because he's protecting yep. the most important thing in the entire franchise and if he gets if my running back gets that guy hurt i'm gonna be in livid so yeah. that's something that's just, again non-starter but he's gonna be he's gonna be fine he's gonna have a niche in the league he's gonna be a home run hitter kind of a slasher i'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive hitting the holes with his vision some of that might be him trying to do too much with an offensive tackle situation last year that was as bad as I can remember for the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he'll, he'll be fine. It's just, I think the actual type of running back that he is, is slightly devalued right now compared to league in a league that's never been devaluating the position more. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that the, the pass blocking thing is so important because you need to be able to disguise as much as you can with your offense. And if you have a guy back there that, you know, he ain't blocking you, or if yep. he is, you're getting a, you're getting a relatively easy rush attempt at the, the quarterback. It just hurts you as an offense. Um, you mentioned the big bruising backs. I think for Iowa fans out there, it's important to note LaShawn Williams, 5'10, 205, Gavin Williams, six foot two, twelve. Uh, you know, I was putting some weight on those guys and they, they have hit the hole really well. I actually really liked what I saw from both those guys in the bowl mm -hmm. game, uh, hitting the hole hard. You already answered the next question I was going to ask, which was what were your thoughts on Tyler Goodson dancing? We saw him against Maryland, spin some guys out of their shoes, make some things happen. But then a lot of times we saw Tyler Goodson take two yard losses um, at a rate that was arguably the worst we've ever seen for an Iowa running back. Um, Anything else you want to add on that? Or is that you're pretty much good? Like he just dances sometimes. We don't know why he's dancing. Um, he needs to hit the hole harder. I feel like they put a lot of pressure on him to create when the running back as valuable as running backs are typically they're only ever as good as their offensive line. So if the offensive line is going to struggle, you're not going to maximize that running back. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing with Goodson. But my biggest issue with me is that, again, the style of play he has the size he has. I just think that it's, probably devalued compared to what it was even five years ago. Uh, so we'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm really pulling for him. Uh, he seems like a really great kid coming from a great family as well. And he's going to get a chance in the league, no doubt about him. And, he, and he's going to get touches in the league. It's a running back by committee league as it is. Nobody's getting 25 plus carries a game every game of the year, especially with the ex, uh, expanded schedule and how many teams are leaning on those rookie running backs. Um, not to make them sound uh you know, terrible, but uh, running backs in general, the philosophy kind of is the old Mike Shanahan model where you draft them, you use the heck out of them for four years, and then you let them walk. You don't pay them. And then you just draft another one right behind him. So <laughs> that first contract, I mean, it's not good for those running backs trying to make money long-term for that second contract, but that's just the way of the league right now. And uh, that's the way it's set up. So he's going to get a, get a chance early on. I hope it goes to a good scheme fit and a good run blocking team. Cause if he can get to the second level, that's, that's when fun can happen with Tyler Goodson as Iowa fans uh, know handily. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to throw a pop quiz at you. Can uh -oh. you name in the next 30 seconds, the first, the last six 1000 yard rushers trail Davis. And then the next five after that in the Mike Shanahan system. Oh, in the, sh after, after trail Davis. Yep. Ruben drones. I believe he was one. Yep. Uh, you also have Clinton Portis. Yep. You also have, did Peyton Hillis do it? Uh, I don't think he did. I don't know if he did. 
I think maybe Noshan Reno did it unless it was overall yardage because he was part of the pass game on that last year. Uh, Peyton Hillis did not. Okay. A thousand yard rusher. Well, Philip Lindsay did. Philip Lindsay did. You're missing, you're missing, uh, two guys. Mike, Mike, Mike Anderson. Yep. And uh, did Willis McGahee? Uh, Willis McGahee did get a thousand yards. You're still, so the other one, okay. um, right after trail Davis was Olandis Gary. What about Tatum Bell? Tatum Bell. Let me check. He did have a thousand. Oh, he barely cracked a thousand. Yeah. Tatum Bell out of Oklahoma state. I was go. so pumped. I was like, we traded Clinton Portis. We get champ Bailey. And then we draft Tatum Bell, which is like the second coming of Clinton Portis. And then he just washed out very quickly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, it's, again, that's the running back thing. Rookie yeah. contract, use them to have a good scheme for them. And then uh, they're the most valuable on their rookie contract. That's why teams like Dallas paying their running backs, huge money. And then, Oh no, we can't pay Amari Cooper Cooper anymore. We can't <laughs> pay, keep Randy parts. Yep, you, you can't do it because you're paying that running back big money when you you already used up their best years, most likely. Sometimes you have a Frank Gore out there. Sometimes you got a Derrick Henry, but those are outliers, and you should not bank the future on outliers. All right, y'all, that does do it for our show today with Nick Kendall. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We will be back tomorrow with part two of the conversation, breaking down some of the other guys in the Iowa Hawkeye draft class, Zach Valkenberg, Kyler Schott, Jack Kerner. Those guys all coming up on tomorrow's episode of the show. So make sure to make the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast your first listen tomorrow and every single day going forward. Now make your second listen, though, the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. Hosted by Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker, they bring the NFL Draft to life every single day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. And it's free and available wherever you get your podcast app. Again, that will do it for our show today. Have a fantastic Tuesday, y'all. And as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go Hawks.